Welcome to Still Growing in Grace, a program dedicated to inspiring joy, giving hope, and delighting in grace. I'm Mike Zenker, and I'll be sharing with you a message of hope that will expand your understanding of God's love and amazing grace. God already deeply loves you, totally accepts you, and really, really likes you. Growing in Grace Ministries Canada and Hope Fellowship, your community church, invite you to enjoy today's program as we dig deeper into what it means to be still growing in grace. Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Still Growing in Grace on a bright and early Wednesday morning. So I'm glad you're taking time to join me, whether you're here live or whether you, you watch later. Today, um, I want to share with those of you that were not part of the conference or weren't able to you know, see every single session, because there's a lot of sessions in the Forgiveness Conference, I want to share one of uh, the highlighted videos. I've already shared a few of you, with you already with Paul Anderson Walsh, Francois Dutoy, Richard Murray, Bill Thrash. Um, today I want to share one with you uh, with Safi Kaskas. He uh, translated the Quran into English with references to the Bible and how they're connected, which is a very eye-opening uh, reading. Um, but I think you're going to enjoy the conversation as well. I had a lot of people comment and say they really, really appreciated this interview. So I want to share this, and in the weeks to come, we'll share some more of the interviews that were uh, um, shared in the conference with everyone. Um, so let's enjoy this uh, really, really good interview today, and uh, I hope you love it. So I'll be watching with you and re-listening live, so I hope you're, you'll uh, comment and tune in. So here we go, Safi Kaskas, and your eyebrows may go up with what you hear. I hope so anyway. Here we go. All right. Hello and welcome, Safi. Um, it is an honor to have you on as a guest uh, contributor to this Forgiveness Conference. Um, you. And your quick background, just give me a really fast background uh, of what you've done in the book you've written or translated or however, and then we'll get into some of the other questions, even my Christmas question I had to you, because this foundation is going to be critical to for what we're about to talk about. People don't necessarily know who you are, but I want them to know who yes. you are. Indeed. I, uh, my name is Safi Kaskas. I was born in Beirut, Lebanon, came to the United States in 1969. Uh, I am uh, a businessman. My degree is in business administration. So uh, I have a doctorate of business administration. And uh, in the end of 1991, a group of Saudi people came, visited, visited me here in the States, wanted me to open a branch of my company, Strategic Edge, in Jeddah, Saudi Arabia. And I stayed there until last year. And uh, in the process, I opened many, many, many companies. So uh, started many companies, I should say, for Saudi investors. Uh, one of these companies, for instance, was a super center uh, that we opened in Jeddah one year before Walmart opened their own super center. And that's my claim to fame. We discovered you beat Walmart <laughs> one year. Well, a super center is not a regular Walmart. It's a box, hundred thousand square feet. Okay, fifty uh, percent food, fifty percent non-food. It's okay. a concept, the retail okay. concept, and that it makes it very unique. That's cool. And it was very successful. Yes. So, how did you so, get to do what you do now? Like you're, you've, you've wrote, a, you've translated the Quran. Where does this sure come from? Did. I sure did. Actually, uh, Mike, you can, yeah, a human being is a complex being, usually. Uh, 
And uh, you don't have just one dimension, you have many dimensions. So in addition to my studies of business, I always studied philosophy and I studied the Abrahamic religions, starting with the, the Quran and then went to the gospels and then went uh, to the Tanakh. And, uh, you know, uh, in my mind, I had to establish in my mind, what are these three Abrahamic religions? Mm. Are they related really? What is the common ground between them? Uh, why do we call ourselves Abrahamic? Does mm. Abraham, Abraham uh, have something that gave us that we still live by, that we still honor? I discovered the common relationship between all three religions is one thing, oneness of God. They're all monoethic. Wow. As long as you say, I worship one God, who's the creator of this universe. Yep. Uh, that define you, I guess, as one of the Abrahamic believers. So this is, and then 10 years ago, to answer specifically your question, I focused more than 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I started focusing on the Quran. Uh, that translation really was my strategic response to 9-11. Wow. Uh, after 9-11, some, some Muslims uh, disappeared, you know, went home. If you call them, they don't answer. They, they're just not there. They, they don't know what's going to happen. So they, they disappeared. Others went to the mosque to seek strength in numbers. Uh, I chose to educate because the networks were talking about the Quran says this and the Quran says that. And they moved from... Uh, calling the, those who committed the act of terror terrorist to then generalizing. And uh, every Muslim became guilty by association. Yeah, it must have been a hard they time. Said, they, they, then they said the Quran teach those people to become terrorists. And then they said the prophet of that religion was the model for these Muslims to become terrorists. Wow. I find that very offensive. Not only that, I find the people that repeat these lies to be kind of stupid, you know, they didn't do their homework. They didn't study Islam well enough. They didn't take time to read the Quran that I read. You know, there's only one Quran, the original Arabic, and it's haven't been changed for at least 1400 years. We still have originals. Mm. So before I embarked on my Quran translation, I start looking for first century, Islamic century, first century manuscripts. And, uh, I didn't want to waste my time on something that uh, is doubtful. I wanted to make, look, I'm a doubtful by nature. I don't <laughs> believe anything that is. So, you know, <clears throat> so I start looking around and looking. I looked at uh, the top copy in Turkey, the top copy museum uh, manuscript of the Quran. There is one kept there. And I looked at one in Cairo. And then, you know, there's, now there are many, there are like seven now hmm. from the first century that we know of. And you can find them all online. As a matter of fact, if you go to my website, kaskas.com, or if you go to my uh, Iqra website, which is Iqra, I-Q-R-A, that study, and you'll see a variety of these manuscripts from various centuries, you know? Mm -hmm. So uh, then I decided, I decided when I saw the networks talking about all kinds of things and calling it Quran to 
to, to do a translation of the Quran that is simple English, American English, not British English or Indian English, <laughs> American English that is targeting average American with high school education. Mm. You know, so I wanted to reach as many people as possible. I wanted to reach those Americans where they live. I wanted them to have accessibility to the Quran uh, that they can see for themselves and judge for themselves. Mm. Uh, you know, so this is why I did the Quran translation. Then a couple of years after that, I realized my job will not be done until I find the verses from the Bible, Old and New Testaments, that have similar meaning as verses of the Quran. Mm. I embarked on that project with my partner, who is with his creator right now, David Hungerford. I'm a practicing Muslim. He's a practicing evangelical Christian. Mm. And uh, do you think we found any verses in the Bible that have the No, not at all. Well, we only stopped at 3,000, you know. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Did you finish the book? Uh, the book has been published now for a couple of years. You'll find it on Amazon. It's called the Quran with the references to the Bible. Okay, so the one I bought, I have that then. You have that, yes. Okay, exactly. so that's the one. Okay, the one you okay. Got. I, I okay. forgot that you got it. Yes, oh, you yes. got it. Yes, but you, uh, but uh, the, the the Quran that's part of that book is the same as my first Quran translation. The same translation. Okay. Now we're ready with a second translation because my uh, the responsibility of translating what I believe to be the Word of God cannot end with the day I publish the book. Mm -hmm. It's always on my mind, always in my heart, always uh, searching for better ways to communicate the meaning, yeah. you know? So it's, it's an ongoing project, especially with COVID. Uh, last year, we were all stuck at home, you know? I mean, we had nowhere to go. So I was sitting every day trying to improve my Quran translation. Uh, then I asked myself an important question. How would I make this translation? Mind you, there are over 200 translations of the Quran to English. Mm. So how do I mind, how do I make this Quran translation ultimate? Mm. Not just good, but excellent. Mm. And the answer I got into my brain was, you can't do it alone. <laughs> what you need is a, a team of Quran scholars and scientists with you. Mm. See, the Quran is not a book of science, but it's a book of signs. Mm. Yeah. It talks about the, 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 uh, the birth of the universe. It talks about earth before it was suitable for human, uh, uh, for life. Mm -hmm. It talks about earth after it became suitable for life. It talks about water being the source of all living thing on earth. So that's why I need scientists with me. But above all, it's a book uh, that is relational. It explains the relationship between my Lord and me and between me and my neighbor. Mm. And it's a relation of love. It's based on what Jesus taught, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor like yourself. Actually, you know, if you, if you 
think about it, Jesus did not, was not original in saying this. He borrowed this from Leviticus and from other places mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. But he could have said something very original that would have, that would have made us all dazzled for the last 2,000 years. Instead, he chose to use something that was revealed to Moses and to the Jews to let us know it, there is a continuation in this line of prophecy. Mm. This is why the Quran uh, uh, do its best to confirm what Jesus says. So when I was 18 years old, 16 to 18, I forgot exactly how old I was. I got uh, the New Testament and start going over the gospel with the yellow marker and marked only what Jesus said. It's like the red letter, except it was yellow. <laughs> Mine is a yellow letter. And then I took it and compared it with the Quran. And I didn't see any contradictions. Wow. Now, to understand the book of John, sometimes you have to have some Sufi inclination to understand it. But the, the, the synoptic gospel, the first three, we call synoptics, anybody can understand them easily. Yeah. You don't need to have any additional spirituality to understand them or to interpret them. And so every Muslim is required to believe that Jesus is the word of God, the spirit of God, that's from the Quran now, not from me. Hmm. He, he was born from a Virgin Mary. He lived a sinless life. And he is with God and he's coming back. And Muslims are instructed when he comes back to follow him. So get ready. If you're not sitting, sit down because you're going to have 1,800,000,000 Muslims following him. <laughs> so... <laughs> They're all waiting for him okay. to come back. This, this sounds way too bizarre. My background tells me that this can't be true. <laughs> so to me, it's exciting to hear this. So I asked you, go ahead. You heard of taqiyya? Who? Taqiyya is something that was invented in the United States. It's a word called taqiyya. That word means a Muslim will tell you anything just to fool you and to, for you to accept Islam. <laughs> mm, great. Great. Yeah. Again, whoever whoever came out with this uh, didn't know what the Quran truly teach. Yeah. We don't need to use taqiyya to be good neighbors. Uh, to be neighbors. Well, it sounds like that, it sounds uh, like it's, the message starts with deception, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and even even in the Christian world, there's a lot of evangelicals who try to evangelize with a, a bait and switch. They trick people or scare the hell out of them to try and get them to believe, but they believe because they're afraid and it's, it's a setup. It's, it's, it's not authentic. And it, it, that drives me nuts. You just described that in the Muslim world too. Exactly. <laughs> so so. I, asked, I, I asked you a question at the very beginning of this and yes. uh, you said Merry Christmas to me. And I went, Merry Christmas. Thank you. What, what is it you celebrate? Cause I am assuming, cause I don't know the Muslim holiday schedule. And you said what to me, like this surprised me. What'd you tell me? What we said, celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. What? Uh, he is mentioned in the Quran over 90 times. Wow. And his mother, Mary, is the only woman mentioned by name in the Quran. Mm. Muhammad's mother is not mentioned by name. Abraham's mother is not mentioned by name. Moses' mother is not mentioned by name. But Mary 
is mentioned by name. Wow. The Quran says that God chose her and, and uh, uh, purified her from among the women of the words with mm. an S at the end, not this earth, yep. the words, you know? So yeah, uh, Mary uh, is extremely respected in, in, among Muslims and Jesus is revered. Wow. So we, he deserves to be, his birth deserves to be celebrated. The minute he, well, there is a miracle that the Quran mentioned about Jesus that most Christians don't know. Uh, the Quran says that when his mother felt that, that, that she needs to deliver him, she went out and she held into a tree uh, to help her, you know, push and mm -hmm. deliver. And the Quran says, God supported Jesus with the Holy Spirit. So his entire stay on earth had the support of the Holy Spirit. And, and he didn't, because of this, he did not need two years to learn to talk like average children. <laughs> so he spoke the, the minute he was born. And his first word was to calm down his mom. She was shaken. <laughs> she was a young woman and delivering a baby and she didn't have a husband. And imagine the shock. Mm -hmm. So his words were uh, reassuring to her that she's dealing with God. Mm. She's dealing with something beyond this earth, that he is the word of God and the spirit of God given to her. And uh, he's going to be blessed. He said, I'm going to be blessed the day I'm born the day I will die and the day of my resurrection. Mm. This is what the Quran teaches. I grew up in a German Baptist. I don't want to usually use denominations, but I grew up in a German Baptist, very legalistic background. And we were told the Muslims, uh, anybody that was not Christian, that was all cult. It was evil. Like literally they had a section in the cult sections on Muslims. Like, honestly, I never read it, but that we were just, we just believed whatever we were told. And so now I'm much older and I'm questioning the answers that have been given to me. And I'm discovering a greater grace and a greater love, a greater God than I've ever known before. And I think that's why when I started hearing some of your videos and listening and your connection with Brad Jerzak, uh, I realized there's, there's, the heart of Jesus is working through us all. And yes. uh, I've just loved this, which is why I wanted to ask you, how does forgiveness fit with the Muslim faith and the Christian faith? Like you just finished saying that you compared Bible verses that are the same in the Quran and in, yes, yes, in, the, yes. in the Bible, maybe there's a, some forgiveness themes that we may not realize are, or the Christian world may not realize that are equally there in the Muslim world. And we're, we're making a bigger deal of it than it ought not to be, you know? Well, actually, uh, forgiveness is much bigger in the Quran that Muslims realize. You know, remember... Tell me, can my, you tell me about it? Give, give, me, yeah. give me some insight. I'm just going to give you the floor here to share because I don't want to interrupt okay. you. Well, to start with, let's talk about forgiveness. I mean, what is forgiveness? Uh, forgiveness is, is, as far as I'm concerned, uh, is a conscious, deliberate decision to release feeling of resentment or vengeance 
toward a person or a group who has harmed me, mm-hmm. regardless of whether they actually deserve my forgiveness. Uh, this is, I mean, uh, this is like what psychologists now uh, uh, define forgiveness. Uh, now, uh, the, in, in the Quran, God doesn't only talk about forgiveness. Now, now please remember, Mike, anytime we're talking about what Jesus said, remember that Jesus spoke Aramaic. He did not speak English. And that Aramaic was translated to Greek and then to Latin and then to various languages and then to King James. And then it got to us uh, in, in you know, today, this day and age. So, but, but the Quran we have is the original Arabic that was revealed to Prophet Muhammad. So God does not talk only about forgiveness, talks about various stages. For instance, to pardon is one stage. To excuse is, an, is another stage. Then to forgive is a third stage. It sa- the Quran says in chapter 64, verse 14, but if you pardon, overlook, and forgive, then God is truly all forgiven most merciful. Hmm. So God is not only asking us to pardon, to overlook, and to forgive, but he's telling us, if you do this, this character that you're developing will be similar to God's character, who is all forgiving, all merciful. This is how he described himself in the Quran. The Quran also teaches, am I not your Lord? And we all said, yes. You are. So if we are admitting that he's our Lord, we need on earth to follow his guidance. And his guidance, as in the Torah, as in the gospel, and as in the Quran, is teaching us always to forgive. You know, uh, he also teaches that in the Quran, in chapter 17, eight, uh, verse 84, he teaches that each one acts in a manner reflecting his character. Your Lord is fully aware as to who is best guided. So if you are a revengeful person, if you are not living uh, God consciousness every minute of your life, if you're not following Jesus' example, you you might not want to forgive. If someone uh, slap you on your right cheek, you might, uh, you know, hit them uh, on their nose. But if you are following Jesus' example, you'll turn the other cheek and you'll forgive. So this is basically what the Quran teaches in, in, in chapter 42, verse 40. The Quran teaches the retribution for a bad deed is one like it. This is justice. The retribution for, one, for a bad deed is one like it. But whoever forgives and seek reconciliation will have his reward with God, not from people, but from God. Mm. He certainly does not like those who do wrong. This is, again, in chapter 42, verse 40. I mean, all these verses from the Quran are talking about, you have the right for tooth for a tooth, but if you forgive, that is better, which basically what Jesus taught us. So in another uh, 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 chapter in another verse, uh, Allah, God is urging believers 
It says, and hasten toward forgiveness from your Lord and a paradise as vast as the heavens and the earth prepared for those mindful of, of him, of God. They are those, who are these people who are mindful of God? Let's describe them. The Quran says they are those who donate in prosperity and adversity. So they share their wealth, hmm. control their anger, and pardon <laughs> others. And God loves the good doers. This is in uh, uh, chapter 3, verses 133 and 134. I think that gives you an idea. There are many more. I can, I can recite here like 100 verses. And I have them written down in front of me. So I'm reciting them to you. So you'd have an idea what uh, the Quran really teaches about uh, forgiveness. It, uh, its approach is very realistic. It knows that we are not all the same. We are different. And the degree of tolerance that each one of us have is not the same as the other. Uh, but it is teaching us that if we want forgiveness from God, we need to forgive people on earth. If we want kindness from God, we need to be kind to other people on earth. If we want God to love us back, we need to love his, the, his, his creatures and the planet he gave us, he entrusted us with, you know. I, uh, this, this, is, go ahead. this is what the Quran is all about. This is not what I ever heard. You know that. I know you know that, but I've But you I've have never... the book. But you I'm... have the book. Oh yes. I, I'm saying book. I grew up that I've never heard this. Yes, yes. So to yes. me, this would, would have been so foreign. I know from for some of our guests that are going to be listening to this and hearing this thing, they're like, what? We were told it's not that at all. In fact, the media has really messed it up because I immediately think of um the wars between the US and the Muslim world where there's a jihad against each other. Like when, when one country does something terrible, the other one, they say, ah, oh, we got a vengeance. And, and they keep fighting back and they do it all in the name of Allah. And it's like, How about wait a minute. We talk about jihad now. Go ahead. Yeah. Will, will we clarify it. Tell me, please clarify, because we're yes. like, my, my understanding is jihad is like a payback, uh, rise up with a righteous anger and payback and stand up for God and do his bidding for him. That's kind of what I kind of heard. That's fine. Uh, let me uh, let me just make it extremely clear. Awesome. From, from my reading of the Quran, the same translation that you already have, mm -hmm. or the translation of the Quran that I made, and it's available online for anybody that wants to download it. It's called the Quran, a contemporary understanding by Safi Kaskas. Very simple. Uh, if, if you do them a favor and put the name of the book, they they will they will go and find it on yes. the internet, and they can find everything I'm telling you right now, right there, or any other translation. They'll find the same thing. Actually, jihad as an idea is when I am struggling against my whims, against what my selfishness require from me. This is the greatest jihad. This is when we all try to find our own ego who leading us to be more and more selfish. This is the greatest, this is the jihad that we are engaged in as Muslims today. This is the jihad that you need to be engaged 
in every minute of the day. So what's jihad again? Jihad is the word jihad means struggle. The greatest jihad is defined by Prophet Muhammad as when you struggle against your selfishness. Wow. This This is the definition of the word jihad. And it's called the greatest jihad. Now, fighting against an enemy is called qital. Qital is fight. Hmm. Jihad is struggle. They're two oh, different words. My goodness. Two different roots. And qital, to go and fight an enemy, is allowed only if you have a state and if that state is attacked. So it's only self-defense. Only self-defense. Muhammad was not allowed to fight the enemies until he moved from Mecca to Medina and start building a state. Hmm. One day I love to talk to you about that state, its foundation, the constitution it had, and we'll compare it to the American constitution. (laughs) And we'll discover that maybe Jefferson was aware of what's in that constitution. Hmm. Because it has freedom of conscience, freedom of religion, freedom of to practicing your, your faith 1400 years ago. Anyway, so jihad is basically struggling against your selfishness. Wow. To, yeah, to, and I call it struggle against ego. Yeah, I use that okay. word too. Yes. Okay, but, but uh, self, the self has many levels, not just one level. After I tame the first level, which is the self that's always ordering me to grab more, more food, more money, more women, more of anything that tie me to this earth. So to tame it, tame it for what? So I can build a relationship with my creator. So I can serve my neighbor. So I can, look, Mike, let me... To explain this, I have to give you my narrative. There is a narrative that Muslims have. If you don't know that narrative, you don't know why they do the things they do. Do we have time? Yes, we do. Totally. In fact, begin. I'm going to see if I can find your book so I can show it. And if I can't do it right now, I will show it the night that this interview airs so everybody can see this book because I want everybody to know where to get this. But I'd like to hear what you're about to share. This is I am really eager. So go for it. Thank you. Okay. So basically, uh, it's, uh, God created Adam. Adam is not the first uh, human being. Adam is the first homo sapien. Adam, uh, before Adam, there were other, other species that uh, are uh, human-like, living on earth. But Adam is the first one with consciousness. Hmm. That's what distinguishes Adam from other people, uh, his consciousness, his ability to realize where he is and his relationship to everything around him. So uh, God started teaching Adam. This is the way the Quran teaches. God started teaching Adam uh, the word around him, telling him what's there and why he uh, uh, supposed to live in a certain way. And, you know, so Adam was learning. One of the last programs that God gave Adam was the, the program to distinguish 
to, to choose, uh, gave him free will and taught him the freedom to choose. Hmm. So basically, this, this is when God told Adam, look, you can go and eat out of any trees here except uh, this tree. It could have been any tree. Didn't have to be a particular tree. But basically, God was trying to teach Adam to choose. So Adam, for the first time in his life, uh, receiving that program of freedom to cho of choice, uh, decided that uh, he can he's free to choose. So then Satan came to him and talked him into uh, he sw he swore to him by God that uh, if you eat out of this tree, you will have eternal life. You will be a king here. You'll be so Adam decided to to try it and to eat. But the minute he ate. He realized he made a mistake. And he immediately, the Quran tells, he immediately asked God, what should I do now? In the Quran, we learned that God taught Adam how to repent. And then forgave him. Wow. And told him, now you are ready to go down to earth. Hmm. And he told Satan, you go down with him to earth. And you are try you 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 said you're gonna try to talk him to worship himself rather than to worship me. Do your best, and you're gonna find out that some of these people will not listen to you, but those who will listen to you will go to hell, while those who reject you and chose choose me will be with me eternally in heaven. So the narrative of salvation in the Quran is different drastically from the narrative of salvation in the uh, Gospels. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, a big Here, difference. Huge difference. But there's, Here, but there's parallels. Well, of course. But uh, see, I believe we are here on earth to exercise our freedom to choose. Mm. If we choose God, then we will have to serve others. The only way you get closer to God is through serving others. But if we choose not to ser serve God, that means we're choosing to serve our own ego. Then we'll start abusing others hmm. and using them and climbing on them and pushing them down, thinking we, we are getting higher and higher when in fact, in, the, in God's eyes, we're getting lower and lower. So you either, you either free yourself from your ego imprisonment or you'll be a prisoner of your ego forever. Hmm. We need to cleanse our heart so we can receive God. This is why jihad is essential. It's essential for me to struggle with my own self. Wow with my own desires to tame myself so I can receive God and be God conscious all the time. Hmm. For, I give you a, a practical example. You ask me to come to this interview. I could have done this interview for one on two of two reasons. Mike, all your decisions are between one of these two reasons. All your decisions, all the decision of every human being are one between these two reasons. Either you, you invited me because you love God 
and you love your neighbors and you want your neighbors to have a wider pros perspective, wider horizon. This, this will be serving God and serving others and it'll get you, it'll get you closer to God. Hmm. Or you maybe you did it just to have a successful program. So hmm. your name become well known among those who watch these kind of programs. Hmm. And you'll have a better rating and you'll have more viewers and so on. Same thing happened with me. When you invited me, I had to ask myself, am I going to this program to serve Mike and to serve his viewers? and to try to be as honest with them as possible and simplify what I want to tell them so it'll be accessible to everybody? Mm -hmm. Or am I there so I can become famous and people say, oh, he's a nice guy, this guy, Kaskas, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so listen to him, you know? So either I'm doing it to please my own ego or I'm doing it to serve God and to love my neighbors. Mm -hmm. This is one of two decisions. There is no third decision. No one can, I've been challenging people around the world. No third alternative. Yeah. You either do it to please God or you do it. Please yourself. Please mm -hmm. This is it. So this is why we have this jihad concept. You have to fight yourself unless it's, until it's tamed. Once it's tamed, you move to the next stage when yourself start blaming you when you do something bad. We call this the blaming self. <laughs> and there is a third level, higher, the tranquil self. When you become satisfied with your relationship with God and you feel peace at heart and you live peacefully with your neighbors, <laughs> your peace with him and peace with everybody around you. You know, and then there is a higher, there are six levels. At the sixth level, you're living with God. Before you, before you die and go to him. So this, this is, should be the life, a journey of a human being. At least it's, it's my journey. Yeah. And it's all from the Quran. I, I'm thrilled to hear this and thrilled to share this because uh, before I met you, honestly, I would I didn't hear of any compatible message of hope, love, and grace, and I'm seeing it now. And my judgmentalism has dropped significantly. In fact, I've befriended a Muslim woman at one of the places I work. I work in a long-term care home, and um, um, there's one woman named Sepi Day. She's an amazing woman. She came from Iran. Um, she was a medical doctor there. Gave up her hopes and dreams came here and, and now she works as a recreation director in a long-term care home, big difference. But she, I think it was Ramadan was the holiday that I bumped into her first. And when she started explaining what Ramadan was, if I'm correct, please help me and correct me. I was shocked at the amount of others centered love and others centered giving constantly for weeks and weeks. And I'm thinking the Christian world doesn't even have anything like this. And this is so generous and others focused. How can this what, but this is this is Muslim. What? <laughs> so, is, is am I reading Ramadan correctly? Is that? Oh yes, indeed. But uh, Mike, you know, I'm very active on Facebook. I've been active. It, it's it's like a ministry for me. 
Yeah. I use my page as a teaching page. And usually every year for the last 14, 15, 16 years, since Facebook started, mm -hmm. every year I start with Thanksgiving and end with Christmas. Mm -hmm. Every day I post something that Jesus taught. I keep repeating those principles of Jesus. I explain different principles between Thanksgiving and Christmas. And I encourage my Christian neighbors and my Muslim neighbors to try to honor Jesus by following his example. You know? Uh, do, you get, do, you get, do you get kickback from your Muslim community as well? Because I'm sure some Christians give you a hard time, but I'm assuming your Muslim community is also saying, wait a minute, that's not how I read it. Uh, you need to go to my Facebook. I well, have I've seen it. That's why I'm bringing this up. I'm, I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I have 20,000 followers at this time, which surprised me, you know. Mm -hmm. But uh, uh, on my page, it's very hard to distinguish whether this person is a Christian or is a Muslim. Okay. Because I've been working with them for so long, there is a common language now that we all use, mm -hmm. especially those that are with me every day, you know. Yeah. And I'm very proud of this. As far as I'm concerned, this is as important to me as the book, uh, the Quran with the references to the Bible, hmm. uh, you know, comparing the common ground that we have. Uh, wh why is it important to define the common ground? Because this is where we need to build a bridge. <laughs> you need to find that ground, solid grounds, so you can build a bridge. Let me let and, me put your uh, let me put your book on the screen for a second, because I have the title okay. cover here now. Okay. So this is the uh, what the book looks like. I bought it off of Amazon.ca. I'm sure it's available on .com or anywhere else. Um, do you know if it's available in um, Kindle? Yes, of course it is. Okay, so there's what the book looks like. So if you're looking for it, this is this is a must-have. If you're studying or want to expand your understanding, this book is good. I, I've not finished it. Um, it's too big. <laughs> it's take good. Your time. Take your time. Yeah. No, no rush. No hurry. And, uh, you know, the, uh, again, maybe sometime we will talk to people about how to read the Quran. I would love that. Yeah. I Mike, do. A we, are, uh, we, are, we are trained uh, much more than we know by the Greek. Uh, we, we almost base everything we have today on the way Greek used to do their things. Mm. Uh, with, with, with the Greek culture, a book must have a beginning, a middle, and an end. So everybody expects the book to have a beginning, a middle, and an end. And uh, the Quran is not written like this. Because you can, uh, you can influence people, but you can't influence God. God mm -hmm. will do whatever God wants, regardless what people think. So the Quran doesn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. The, you can open the Quran and read anywhere you want. You still benefit from reading. Hmm. Uh, and a lot of Western scholars made a huge mistake up, up to the end of 20th century, when in their mind, they were still comparing the style hmm. of the Quran with the style of the gospel, for instance, which is biographic or the, uh, or the Old Testament, which is historic. You know, the Quran is neither. The Quran is a commentary on both. Hmm. Okay. Remember that. That's a cool phrase. Yeah, good remember. Many scholars don't know this. Many 
Western and Muslim scholars don't know this. The Quran, in fact, is a commentary on, on both the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's God is telling us, this is my last revelation. Hmm. So, for instance, give you an, uh, for instance, if you go to the Mosaic law, which we believe that Jesus fulfilled, but let's, I'll give you this example anyway. In the Mosaic law, you had 14 crimes punishable by death, stoning, actually. One of these uh, crimes is uh, uh, not being nice to your parents. <laughs> that's a crime that's punishable by death in the Mosaic law. God told us uh, in the Quran, uh, I'm going to abrogate 13 of those 14 crimes and keep one. Guess which one he kept, logically. Which crime should be punishable by death? Uh, one crime, to kill an innocent person. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah. Look, if it's not common sense, it's not Islam. So <laughs> when I ask you a question, use common sense. I'm waiting for a trick. And they go, oh, he's, gonna, he's asking me a trick question. <laughs> no, no. It's common sense. <laughs> so out of the 14 crimes, one is left, which is to kill an innocent person. This is the only crime in the Quran punishable by death. Hmm. If you hear any Muslim talking about any other crimes, uh, like apostasy, apostasy like when you convert to yeah Islam well that's Hungary. in pakistan it's a big deal yes that's that punishment is not islamic but they say it is they say it is but we're fighting it i'm fighting it on my facebook we fight it with delegation that go and meet with the imran khan the prime minister of pakistan because he has an open mind he need to understand this eventually eventually look without let me back a couple of steps. After, after six years of working on the Quran translation, six years, two months after I finish the translation, I ask myself, what is this book trying to tell me? What is the essence of this book? What can I get? What's the main idea that I can get out of it? Main concept. So I kept thinking about this. Then the answer that came to me is freedom. Hmm. Freedom is the essence of the Quran. What do I mean by that? When God told Adam, now you're ready to go down to earth. Before he sent him down to earth, in the Quran, God told us that he gathered all of us, including you and I, all of us. And he said, am I not your Lord? And we all said, yes, you are. We admitted that he's our creator. He said, now I'm going to send you to earth where you don't see me. I'm not in front of you like you see me now. And I'm going to see based on the consciousness I gave you and all the miracles that I'm going to surround you with, if you're going to still be loyal to me and choose me, or whether you're going to reject me and start worshiping money, your own ego, uh, other pleasures in life, you know, all, all of this. So when I tell you that uh, we're on earth as a test, and here on this earth, everyone is responsible for his own deeds. Mm. 
your dad cannot pass his sins to you. Mm. You cannot inherit your ancestors' sins as per the Quran and the teachings of God in the Quran. No soul will bear the burden of another soul, it says. Mm. It's repeated many times in the Quran. Wow. And then it says, you cannot get to heaven because you have good deeds. You only get there with the loving mercy of God. In Christianity, it's called grace. <laughs> I believe in grace. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I do too. Yeah, I know. I can tell. The word used, yeah, the word used in the Quran is the loving mercy of God. Wow. Yes. So, uh, but, oh, by the way, let me blow your mind with something. Uh-oh. <laughs> God's love to us, which is unconditional. What is it called in Greek? Agape. Agape. Did Jesus say agape? Did Jesus speak Greek? No. So what did he say in Aramaic? I wouldn't know what the translation is. Here we go. You're going to tell me. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> remember, remember, Mike, Aramaic, Hebrew, and Arabic are Semitic languages. Okay. As a matter of fact, Jesus was Semitic. Jesus was a practicing Jew. Mm -hmm. He was an Orthodox Jew. He never broke orthodoxy. He was kosher throughout his life. So when he talked about agape, he was talking about rahma. Racham is that root word. In Hebrew and Arabic and Aramaic, racham is a woman's womb. Hmm. God compared his unconditional love for us to a, to a mother's womb. Wow. And people ask us, is God male or a female? He's neither. Bingo. He's neither. He's neither. But his unconditional love is like a, a mother's womb. He, he created the, the, the love, the, the merciful love within the mother, mm -hmm. similar to his love to us. Yes. So he, she has unconditional love for her baby. And this is only an example. It's not like it. It's only an example. Mm -hmm. We cannot, uh, God, there is, the Quran teaches that there is nothing like God. Mm -hmm. Anytime you think you pinned it down, you're wrong. He's something <laughs> else. He's something else. He's beyond. I, I wish the, our intelligence is limited. I wish our Christian world would see that too. That once you think you've got it and figured it all out, it's, there's more. It's, no, it's not that. It's beyond that. Especially when we're talking about God. Yeah. His intelligence is not like ours. His love is not like ours. Uh, his mercy is not like ours. And his punishment is not like ours. But in the Quran, he says that his mercy overcome his anger mm. all the time. I love it. His mercy overcome his anger. So when, he, when, when the Quran opens each chapter, we have... Uh, oh, every chapter in the Quran starts in the name of God, the merciful to all, the That's mercy wrong. giver. In Arabic, Bismillah, in the name of God, Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahman. Remember the root Raham, mm -hmm. Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. Both these words have the same root, Raham, and they both in contain mercy. Hmm. The first one is merciful to all. Who is all? All is everyone are those who believe in him, 
and those who don't believe in that's it. That's right. His, his sun shine on all of them. It's not his us rain, versus them. His, his rain for on all of them. So what is my job here as his trustee on earth is to be a good example of his love toward my neighbors. That's it. Wow. You know? That, that's too that's, easy. It can't be right. Absolutely. If it doesn't make sense, it's not Islam. Islam is common sense. Oh, man. Safi, I, we have to wrap this up. This is, we got to do this again because we, we got so much more we could do and, and have conversations about. Anytime you want. But I'm, I'm deeply thankful that you Thank have you. shared how the Quran blatantly expresses the importance of forgiveness much more than our Western world has been taught or told. Um, just beautiful. It, to me, it opens the door for more. And that's my hope uh, for having you come on. And, and those that don't know, now they can know there's more. So um, I will make sure the book covers up and just get a copy of it. It's worth it. So thank you, Safi. Thank you. Thanks a lot. Have Thank a you. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Same to you. And Happy New Year. And you as well. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Some of you will have to go back and re-listen. Um, there's a couple of parts I want to re-listen to again, too, and, and take some notes. Um, but to me, that was so refreshing and not what I expected when I first did the interview. Um, I will have a link in the description below of where to get his book. I'll have it on Amazon.ca, uh, but at least you'll see the link there. Um, and then uh, I, I'm going to try and I – th I think there's two other interviews that I – I saw of Safi, one with Brad Jerzyk, unless both were with Brad Jerzyk, I forget. Um, but I want to share them with you in the links below because I think you're going to love them. So it'll be there in about half hour, an hour or whatever. I'm going to repost this video that's now live. I'm going to repost it uh, as just an uploaded video so it's more shareable. Um, but yeah, I, ho I hope you enjoyed that. Uh, it's been a, a joy to put the conference together and it's, it's now over. I'm so glad uh, it is finished because it, it was a lot of content, way too much, which <laughs> it's kind of how I roll. I kind of over-resource people, which is fun. Um, go big or go home is my joke. Um, but I hope you enjoyed today and thank you for the comments. Keith, I see you there. Anna, thank you for your comments all through. Um, and uh, I hope those that watch this a little later, you're going to enjoy uh, and have your mind blown uh, and perhaps have some misconceptions regarding the Muslim faith, um, have some of those misconceptions expelled out of your mind. Um, I sh even re-listening to this today, it's like, oh my goodness, I f that was incredible. I forgot about that line. I forgot about this. And, and you know, the love of God being agape or however he said it, uh, from uh, as if it's the mother's womb. Like, wow, that, that that's mind-blowing. And it's, it's, it's so true. So um, looking forward to having Safi again and uh, continue the discussion. Uh, I think there's a couple other categories of uh, discussion that we totally can dive into. So that's it for today. Hope you guys have a great week. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week on Still Growing in Grace. Here we go. We're ending it now. 
Join me next time on Still Growing in Grace for more good news. Enjoy previous episodes by downloading our podcast at growingingrace.ca. You can also visit hopefellowshipycc.com to find our service times and location. If this show has been an encouragement to you, please consider making a donation today at growingingrace.ca and help us keep spreading this good news. Thank you again for tuning in to Still Growing in Grace.